music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com covering Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I'm your host, Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Intrepid news individual. I used to say newswoman, and then I got uh, legal trouble for that. Linda Stein is with us. She's the uh, news uh, editor at uh, Delaware Valley. How are you, young lady, individual, person? I'm great. How are you, Michael? I'm, I'm gender normative, and I have no pronouns that can be discerned. So I'm very good. I'm very happy about that. I'm much happier, I will say, than my family. I have some family who live in New Hampshire, and they are getting word that their utility bills are going to jump maybe by 50% when the next round comes out. And I'm being told from our inside sources, sources around the country, that uh, it's happening in state after state as the new price of uh, fuel is factored into what people pay to heat and cool their homes. So what the heck is really going on and what can anyone do about it? That's one of the things we want to talk about here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast with David Callahan, president of the Marcellus Shale Coalition. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you. It's great to be with you both. I'm happy to be here. So we are we have a rule at uh, DVJ, uh, David, if we don't quote you in at least one story a week, we've done something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad you're paying attention. I'm glad we're so prodigious in in the quotes that we do put out there. There's well, a lot to talk about in the energy world these days. Well, part of it is you are eminently quotable, and part of it is that yes, energy is at the center of so much. I've never seen a moment where energy policy has been so fundamentally front and center in. Uh, American politics. I'm sure it was that way back in the 70s before my time with the gas lines and whatnot. But uh, let me start with like the biggest of big picture. When you hear people talking about what people are paying for, whether it's gasoline in their car or to heat their homes or for their electricity, what is the stuff that you hear that makes you want to tear your hair out because it's so off point? And if those statements came from the president of the United States, you're welcome to mention that too, David. I think some of these statements might sound familiar. Uh, people ascribing uh, corporate greed, collusion, you name it, to uh, the current price environment when, you know, policies are at the root of it all. Policies are at the root. If, you know, if we had uh, expanded infrastructure, if we, if we had a clear path to expand infrastructure to get gas where it's needed, both domestically and internationally, you know, we, would, we might be in a completely different situation. And as we see from international events, energy security is national security. You know, uh, we're going to be facing not just our country, but the world's going to be facing an unprecedented winter this year uh, with supplies in Europe. We see Russia right now, you know, pulling back supplies. We had a compressor break. We had this. They're coming up with excuses as to why they're pulling back the, the supply of energy, the supply of natural gas to Europe. They need us to help. We need the policies in place in this country to get that gas to them to help our allies. Dave, are you talking about pipelines? All the above. Pipelines. Uh, we certainly need pipe in the ground. We're, we're capacity constrained in, in certain regions of the country. We can't get a pipe across New York. We can't get pipe into New England to serve customers. We certainly need pipelines. We also need more LNG export facilities. I know that's been something that's been written about, discussed, you know, since the very early days of the Marcellus uh, play in Pennsylvania about perhaps utilizing Philadelphia region as, a, as, a, as an export facility, as hosting an export facilities, facility so we can get 
more Appalachian natural gas overseas to folks who need it. So let me stop you right there, because uh, I, I, I know nothing about your industry except for, you know, I flip on the therm- thermostat. That's my knowledge. But when I hear President Biden say there's no reason that we can't expand refinery capacity and transition away from fossil fuel. I feel like I'm missing. Something. I mean, it seems like there isn't a way. I mean, it's like there's no way we can't eat more calories and lose weight at the same time. So am I am I missing a fundamental premise that if you're going to disincentivize the ability to get uh, fuel out of the ground and put it on a ship, then you're going to disincentivize the willingness to invest the kind of money it takes to build that LNG facility uh, in Philadelphia, Winchester, I should say. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's it's these continual mixed messages that we're getting from Washington that, that really has, has us in a tailspin. We're in a murky regulatory environment. And let's just not forget, we need, you need investment. We need investment in capital to drill a well, to put a pipe in the ground, to put an LNG export facility together. Well, if, if folks are looking to invest, are they willingly going to invest in something where you have some elements of the administration saying, well, in five or 10 years, we're going to do without you now. So where's the long-term return? Where, where's the consistent messaging? Where's the common sense policy that we need that understands that we need a well-balanced energy policy, finally, in this country that, that takes into consideration reliability, energy independence, cost, environmental footprint as well. We're not looking through all of those lenses combined. It seems like the federal government is looking through one lens at a time and skewing policy in that favor. I just want to say that I have committed to my wife, David, that I am both going to drink more and transition towards sobriety. So I just wanted to share that with you, that that is my commitment. Linda, you have a question? Um, Yeah, uh, looking at Pennsylvania, I understand we have a a unique tax system here on um, the natural gas industry. Should we be more like other states, do you think? We are unique. Uh, Pennsylvania decided in the early days of the shale play to, Im- to impose our version of a severance tax. It's called an impact fee. It's based on every well that's drilled in the state. It's on a sliding scale based on the price, the prevailing price of gas, according to NYMEX. And it's been wildly successful. Just this year, uh, just within the last week, um, the, the, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania uh, dispersed and collected, I should say, million this year, which is the second highest collection the Commonwealth has ever made on this impact fee, and disperse that uh, out to various state agencies, but primarily to municipalities and counties across the state, but primarily those municipalities and counties that host host production activities. More than $2.3 billion has been collected and dispersed to, again, the state agencies and local governments since the fee was originated. Wildly successful. It's it's funding bridges. Let me interrupt you there because I know you're going to, you're on a grow, but while we've got you on the topic of revenue from uh, the, what do you call it? The gas industry, the energy sector, your corner of it. Could you mind, you, you mentioned that one impact fee was just kind of direct, but what do people, particularly in Southeastern Pennsylvania, where there aren't a lot of, you know, of uh, drilling jobs. It's not, not a lot of people putting pipe in the ground to get, you know, uh, the shale oil out of the Southeast. 
What are the other revenue streams that your industry feeds that impact places like the Philly suburbs? Well, I, I will get back to the jobs. There are jobs. I mean, I had the pleasure um, a couple of weeks ago, perhaps even less than a month ago, of touring the local Steamfitters 420 um, outfit. Mm-hmm. We did a, a labor energy radio show to show how that we're aligned with them on certain energy issues. I saw the great training that they're doing out in the field yeah. so that there is work going on. There is work where there are folks from, from the Philadelphia region and other regions can travel to other regions where the work is. Um, back to the benefits for, for Southeastern PA. You know, before the current price run up, I, I could easily say that all of Pennsylvania and quite frankly, all of the nation was benefiting from Marcellus gas and from the shale revolution sure. through lower, lower energy costs. We need to get the policies right to make sure that we could, again, recapture those savings and show people uh, the, the vast benefits. The people in southeastern PA are benefiting not just monetarily, they're benefiting from the environmental standpoint as well. Increased use of natural gas is reduced emissions has helped uh, make the air the cleanest it's ever been. And if you're concerned about CO2 emissions, it's reduced CO2 emissions from the power generation sector by over 40%. Many Many benefits that can come to people across the state and actually to the nation. You had mentioned the apprenticeship program uh, that you visited. What is the average starting salary for a worker on on the gas wells? Well, we didn't. Well, I didn't ask the uh, local 420 what you know what their folks are doing, what they're making. But as as you may, as luck would have it, I was looking at a 2020 report from the U.S. Department of Energy where they looked at wages in this sector. And they showed that average wages in the industry, the oil and gas industry was $112,000. However, then they said they took it a step further. And this report then then, uh, went on to say that when you take out the supervisory roles, the average wages are $88,000. So great family sustaining jobs, great work, safe work, efficient work, work that's making a difference for energy security and environmental advancement here in this country. So is there a way I could get the $100,000 but not actually work? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'll see what I can do about that one for you. Because other than going to Congress, I can't seem to find a six-figure job that doesn't involve (laughs) some sort of work. I don't, this isn't helping. But Susan, I just... I just wonder how many people understand what how large a segment of the overall revenue for the state. I don't even just mean like the revenue, like, you know, you guys write a check to pay your taxes, whatever. But all the jobs then send all the people out to buy you know, stuff. The multiplier effect, as it's known, just how important the energy sector is to Pennsylvania's overall economy, particularly given that it could be argued that the tax environment for business in Pennsylvania is not friendly. In fact, it can, it's repeatedly rated as one of the least business-friendly tax environments in the country. It, it, it certainly can be a showstopper for businesses that want to either move into a different region or expand here. You know, I don't know about you folks, but within the last couple of months, um, I, I read and was very disappointed to see various companies announce major investments, Intel, putting $20 billion into Ohio, Um, U.S. Steel going down to Arkansas, Nucor putting a big steel plant in West Virginia. We we should be in the running for those facilities, for those plants. We've got the energy here. We export more more electricity than any other state. We've got great natural gas reserves. 
We have great geographical location. And of course, getting back to the labor, we have a great workforce in this state who are dying to get back to manufacturing jobs. Well, what can we do to um, encourage um, more business and manufacturing to get here? Well, a couple of things. It, it is an election year. Talk to the candidates about what their positions are to help use our, our strength and energy to help drive manufacturing and make Pennsylvania a destination for manufacturer, for high technology, for, for medical work, you name it. Pennsylvania should be in the forefront economically. We need to move our state forward. So I want to ask you about the utility rate uh, part uh, because that's a bill that's going to start hitting people and hitting them hard as, as you see sudden shifts in, in costs. And one of the arguments that I hear is, well, bringing more natural gas online won't do any good because the price is so high. So it's going to be high everywhere. So what difference does it make? You know, so what if you had more you know, uh, natural gas powered uh, power plants, fueled power plants, say in, in New England where rates are high, et cetera? What difference would it make? The gas is just expensive. And then the other argument I, I get is, well, it's always going to be expensive until we get over to solar and wind. So we just need to just go to solar and wind. And that's the solution. Uh, you're going to have high prices until you get off of fossil fuels. And I'm wondering if you have any insights and data to offer to that conversation. Certainly. Well, as we all know, prices are the product of supply and demand. We increase supplies. We find a way to increase supplies. Theoretically, and all things being equal, you bring down the price. That's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take in this country rather than, you know, forcibly curbing demand or, or rather than dealing with these high prices and putting a real crimp into families, into, you know, not just their travel plans for the summer, but their ability to heat and cool their homes, their ability to, you know, manage their family budgets. This is a, a great resource. And, you know, getting back to my earlier point of how other parts of the state benefit, you know, this natural gas field has elements of it where you get extra hydrocarbons of it and they can, and those hydrocarbons are used to create plastics and, and many of the things that we use and sustain our daily lives. We need to utilize those resources and we need to increase supplies of those resources to help blunt the price situation that we're in right now. Well, David Callahan, we really appreciate your time. And now that I know about these jobs, I'm gonna start sniffing around. Sorry, Linda, <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm, uh, I'm gonna work that angle. Yeah, well, if I could put a plug in, you know, if <laughs> folks, uh, number one, we, we, uh, we share a lot of fact-based information, whether it's on social media, whether it's on our website, look at our website. We've got fact sheets, lots of information there. We've got breaking news there on social media as well. Take a look, see the information that we have, engage in discussions with your friends and neighbors about energy and the energy future for this commonwealth. Well, Dave Callahan, we really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you both very much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.